Father, as a body, we pray that you would shepherd us. Um, we, we are your sheep, and we, we have many different needs represented here. Lord, some are discouraged, some are struggling, some are straying this morning. You are a good shepherd, and you, you feed us, and you lead us, and you love us, and you protect us. And so we pray for your shepherding care over us this morning, Lord Jesus. And we ask that you would especially feed us now through your word. Lord, open up our hearts to receive it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I was a kid, I was absolutely terrified of storms. Um, I, I want to say my sister did not help me overcome my fears. I remember during one particular severe thunderstorm warning, my, my mom and sister and I went down into our safe place in the basement, and I was just crying and crying because I was so scared. I was only like 15 or so. No, I was, I was younger than that. <laughs> I was like seven. I was just, I was just crying, and, and you know what my big sister did in that moment? She just kept on repeating, we're going to die, we're going to die. And so needless to say, my fear of storms is only exasperated. And ten times, though, I realized that we were relatively safe from most storms when we were inside our house. And I actually learned to enjoy seeing a storm roll in, watch lightning come down, see, see, see treetops blowing in the wind, not, not, not really being afraid that it's going to fall onto the house. And learn, learn to enjoy these things and, and still do. There's, there's a majesty to storms that we can enjoy from the safety of our homes. And I mean, the Boyds were uh, down at Orange Beach this week and, and, and watched the hurricane come in from where you were staying. And, and Joe, I think you described it. I can't find you, wherever you are. There you are. Described it as, as, as beautiful and intense, right? And uh, from the safety of our homes, we, we, we learned to appreciate these storms. But, but of course, you were in a safe place. You do need shelter to enjoy the storm. Without a shelter, without a safe place, storms truly are frightening, aren't they? I mean, a lightning bolt, just think about a lightning bolt, can strike a person dead in an instant. A strong enough wind can break a tree in half like it's a toothpick. Heavy rainfall can turn a creek into a raging river that just destroys everything in its path. And these are what storms do. We have good reason to be scared of storms. I mean, imagine facing a storm like Wednesday night's storm, and then imagine facing that 3,000 years ago. No radar, no sirens, no James Spann. This was how ancient Israelites had to face storms. You can open your Bibles to Psalm 29. Psalm 29, this is a psalm about a storm. And as we'll see, it's a psalm about a particularly strong, intense, powerful storm. But more than just being about a storm, this is a psalm about the God who is over the storm. This is a psalm about the God who is king of the storm. Let's read this together. Psalm 29, starting in verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. 
The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The key verse of this psalm is in verse 10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. God is the king of the storm. You know, when we think about storms, we're not just thinking about physical storms either. Scripture speaks of storms in a variety of ways, and we all face storms in this life of a variety of types. Yes, physical storms like Wednesday night storm, for instance, but also personal storms like the loss of a job, failing health, a broken home, broken friendships, broken relationships. We face community storms like the pandemic or the effects of an election. We face satanic storms like the persecution of the church. Our life is filled with storms. Some of you feel like you have been in a storm for years. Like your life is just one continual storm that won't let up. You know, our natural response to these gathering storms is to be afraid. Storms storms are fearsome, and we're afraid of the storm. We're afraid of what they might do to us, what they might take from us. But this psalm gives us an alternative to fearing the storms of our lives. And the alternative is looking to the king of the storm. When storms come, we can either fear the storm or we can fear the God of the storm. And this morning's passage calls us to do that. It gives us three ways that we must look to the king of the storm when storms come into our lives. As, as a storm approaches, or as, as, as you find yourself in a storm in your life, whatever kind of storm it might be, this psalm calls us in three different ways to look to God as the king of the storm. First way we see is that we should reverence the king of the storm. We must reverence the king of the storm. Look again at verses 1 and 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So this psalm begins the way that all of our worship services begin, with a call to worship. But it's a call to worship that's directed to the angels of heaven. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. This call to worship is directed to angelic beings, and it calls them to ascribe to the Lord glory, to ascribe to Him strength, to ascribe the glory due His name, to, to, to give to the Lord the glory that He's due, to say, God, You are glorious, You are strong, You are worthy. They're to worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness, with holy attire, with holiness as their garments, worshiping God. This is the call to worship. Now what's somewhat surprising about this is that the angels are already doing these things. You know, Isaiah 6 gives us a picture of the seraphim continually crying out before the Lord, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. So angels right now in heaven constantly, continually are worshiping God, ascribing glory to God in, 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 in the splendor of holiness. This is what is happening. So if, if that's already happening, then why does the psalm begin with this call to worship? What's going on here? Well, I think it's this. It's not that the psalmist is calling the angels to do something they're not already doing. We know they are doing this already. 
Instead, the psalmist is leading God's people to join with what the angels are already doing. He's, he's leading, as Israel comes to worship, they would, they would come to the temple and sing this psalm, and he's calling God's people. There, there, is, there is perfect, unceasing worship going on in heaven right now, and we are joining in with that worship. Now another question, this is a psalm, psalm about a storm. So why does it begin like this? Why does a psalm about a storm begin with this, this reminder of the unceasing worship of the angels and this invitation to join in with that? Well, I think we often wrongly let the storms that come into our lives interrupt our own worship of the Lord, don't we? When storms come into our lives, worship often stops. Sometimes it's that we intentionally withhold worship from him because we, we are upset about the storm. We are upset that it's in our lives. We, we, we don't feel like worshiping God when he brings storms into our lives. But, but often I think it's that we simply ignore worship. Worship's not the priority when there's a storm in our lives. We need, we need, we need to get to safety. We need to, we need to figure out how to, how to save ourselves. We need to figure out how to, what to do with this storm. And so we just don't worship. And the psalm starts here. Because regardless of what storms are going on in our lives, there is still a glory that is due His name. There is a glory that is due God's name all the time, no matter what is going on in your life. He is always worthy of your worship. Even in the storms, our worship should be as unceasing as the worship of heaven. The angels never stop worshiping. And we should never stop worshiping, no matter what is happening in our lives. So the psalm begins here as, as a call to reverence the king of the storm. And the application is that we must prioritize worship in our lives. We must prioritize worship in any and every situation we face. Just a few more notes on this. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord. Three times the call is to give God glory. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an action that we take, that we, we say to God, you are glorious. We, we pronounce his glory back to him. We say, you are worthy. You are strong. We, we, it is a, a call to us to do something. Worship is an activity that we do before the Lord. We ascribe to him the glory to his name. And so prioritize that this week in your life. Prioritize giving God glory in your life. Prioritize personal worship, waking up in the morning and in your own mind and heart saying to God, God, you are worthy of my worship. Prioritize giving God glory with your family, spending time together as a family and saying God is worthy. God is strong. God is glorious. And prioritize these times together, giving God glory with the body of Christ. No matter what is going on, this is the priority. Again, how often have I seen people going through hard times, going through storms in their lives, and, and, and again, especially corporate worship is, is what goes on the back burner. No, this is the exact, exact opposite. When, when storms come, prioritize worship. Come and gather together. And remember, God is worthy. This is where we must begin, prioritizing the king of the storm. And then he says, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. This, this is literally the, the attire of holiness. We, we should wear holiness as we come to worship God. The, the seraphim are, are holy before the Lord in his presence of his holiness. Now, now, how do we do this? It's not by just putting on our Sunday best. No, we worship in the splendor of holiness by living holy lives before the Lord. All of our lives 
just separated, consecrated to him as worship. So we prioritize these, these times of worship, but then we also realize our whole lives must look holy before him. Our whole lives are called to be a celebration of his holiness and of his worth. And to prioritize worship, reverence the king of the storm. Second, we must recognize the king of the storm. We must reverence the king of the storm, and then we must recognize the king of the storm. Verses 3 through 10 make up the bulk of this psalm, and they describe this storm in vivid terms. And, and we learn a few things about the storm from these verses that help us to recognize the Lord. First, we learn the storm is powerful. This storm is powerful. Just, just glance down at the text with me, and let's just observe a few things. Verses 3 and 4 the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. So, so, so this, this storm is, is pictured as being over an ocean, and there's many waters underneath. So it's a, it's a large storm. This, this is a big storm. It's not just a little cloud with a little thunderbolt. No, this is, this, this is big. This is, this is a huge storm that's being pictured here. Verse 5, the, the, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. This is, this is a storm that is, that is uprooting trees. And snapping trees down. Verse 7, flashes of fire come down from the sky. This is a picture of lightning bolts that's striking over and over again. Verse 8, the Lord shakes the wilderness. This, the, the thunder is so intense that you can feel the ground. Have you ever been in your house and, and, and this lightning gets real close and the thunder just shakes your whole house? That's, that's happening here. This is intense storm that you can feel the ground shake from the lightning and the thunder. Verse 9, it strips the forest bare, it makes the deer give birth. The wilderness just becomes, or, or the forest just becomes this, this barren place as a result of this storm. This is a powerful storm. It's a destructive storm. This is a scary storm that's being pictured here. We also learn that the storm is coming. The storm is powerful, but we also see that the storm is coming. So there's, there's a movement to the storm in this psalm. Just like the other night, the hurricane began in the Gulf, and it moved onto the beach, and then it moved north through the state to us. So this, there's movement to the storm in this psalm. It begins in verse 3, over the waters, over the Mediterranean Sea, and then it moves into Lebanon, which comes off the shore of the Mediterranean. Then it moves down into the wilderness of Kadesh. And then into the forests of Israel. And then finally, verse 9, we get a picture of the temple itself. So the storm is moving from the sea toward Jerusalem. It is coming toward God's people. This is a storm that's coming from, you see it coming, and it's coming toward us, towards God's people. You know, and the people are in the temple, and this temple here seems to maybe be the equivalent of what James Fan would say, get in your safe place. They didn't have safety in their homes, but the people gathered at the temple during this storm. And it's a beautiful picture. This powerful and destructive storm is coming, and God's people take refuge in God's temple from the storm. And in this place of shelter, in this temple, as they hear the storm outside, what are they doing? They're joining with the worship of the true temple in heaven. They're crying glory. From the safety of the temple, they are worshiping the God of the storm. And so we learn that the storm is glorious. There is a glory to this storm. From the shelter of the temple, the people are reflecting on the glory of what's happening outside. The storm is glorious in that it reveals the glory of God. It's not glorious in and of itself, but the, the storm is showing them God. 
you know, I said that the storm is breaking the cedars, the storm is over the waters, the storm is stripping the forest, but that's not actually what the text says, is it? It doesn't say that the storm is doing these things. What's doing these things? The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. It is God who is doing these things. Just as God spoke creation into being by his words, so now he is speaking this storm into being. It is his will. It is his voice. And the Israelites hear these things happening and they connect it to the voice of God and they cry glory. Verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. They don't, they don't just stand in awe of the storm. They stand in awe of the king of the storm who is in control of the storm, who is, who is bringing this storm about. And they recognize his glory and worship him. We need to recognize the king of the storm. We need to recognize that in the storms in our lives, the Lord is king over them. The Lord is in control of them. It is the voice of the Lord that is accomplishing the storms of our lives. The application here is that we need to embrace the fact that God is in control of the storms in your life. God is in control of the storms in your life. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. He is the king of everything, including the storms. To recognize the king of the storm is to recognize that God is in control of it, that the storm is not a force outside of God. It's not competing with God's purposes, but instead the storm is taking place under the sovereignty of God. He is in control of it. Now, this is a difficult truth to embrace, isn't it? Storms are fearful things. Storms bring destruction. What storm is in your world this morning? What storm is in your life this morning? This is difficult to embrace because we ask, why would God allow me to go through a storm? Why would God bring a storm into my life? The Bible gives us answers to this question, but this psalm that we're looking at today does, does not address the answers here. The, the psalm is more concerned with, with telling us we need to embrace that God is the king of the storm. And just, just consider the alternative. Just consider the alternative. If the storm is not from God, whatever storm is in your life, if that's not from God, if he's not in control of it, if that's the case, then that means God can't control the storm. It means that God is limited. It means that God is unable. And if that's the case, then God is not worthy of worship or trust. If God's not in control of the storms, then, then he is not a God to be praised. He's not a God to be worshipped. He, he is not due the glory that we give him. But, but in fact, that's not the case. He is king of the storm. He's in control of it. The voice of the Lord is over whatever storm is in your life. The voice of the Lord is accomplishing his will in that storm. The Lord is enthroned over that storm as king. Embrace this truth this morning, because once you embrace this truth, then you can hear the blessings that come to God's people in the storms. We need to embrace that he's in control of it, and then once we do, then God promises blessings to us. And that's, that leads us to our final point. We need to reverence the king of the storm, we need to recognize the king of the storm, but finally we need to rely on the king of the storm. 
rely on the king of the storm. Look at verse 11. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. The psalm closes with a benediction for the people of God, the people who are gathered in the temple, the people who are crying out glory, the ones who recognize that he's the king of the storm and who are reverencing his name. It's a benediction promising strength and peace. Now, it's just to think about strength and peace. Are there, are there two more desirable things we would want during a storm than strength and peace? May the Lord give strength to his people. You know, nothing exposes our smallness and our weakness like a storm. I mean, what can a man do under a lightning bolt? What, what can a man do before a hurricane, before a tornado? We, we, we can do nothing. We are totally weak. But may the Lord give strength to his people. When these powerful storms come, we need strength to endure. And God promises us that he will give us strength. He will, he will give strength to all who rely on him. He says, may the Lord bless his people with peace. With peace. Bless his people with peace. You know, nothing exposes our fears and anxieties like a storm. Storms threaten everything we hold close in this world. Our possessions, our loved ones, our very lives. And yet God promises us peace in, in the storms. He promises us that inner calm that we know everything will be okay in the midst of the fiercest storms that we face. And the question is, how do these blessings come to us? And they come to us through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They come to us through faith in Jesus. Think, think about Jesus for a moment this morning. Jesus is the one who could sleep through a storm. Raging storm, the, 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 the glory of God thundering over the waters, just like we saw here, and, God, and Jesus is asleep underneath. That's peace. That's peace, isn't it? He wasn't afraid. He trusted the Lord. He knew the Lord was in control. Jesus is also the one who then was woken up and with his word could calm a storm. What can a man do before a hurricane? Well, Jesus can say stop. And it can stop. And it will stop. That's strength. Jesus exemplified peace and strength in the midst of the fiercest storms. And yet, this Jesus who could have peace in the storm, who could calm a storm, this Jesus is the one who endured the fiercest of all storms for us. He endured the storm of the wrath of God. And I want to make a big picture connection here to show you how, how true this is. In verse 10, it says, The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Over the flood. And, and, and that, that word choice of flood is important here. Why, why does the psalmist remind us of, why does he use the word flood? Why does he choose that image of the storm? Why don't you think about it? The flood was the first ever storm. There was never a storm before the flood, but what was the flood? The flood was a storm of judgment. The flood was a storm representing God's wrath against sin. It was the first ever storm, and, and, and it teaches us that storms fundamentally represent the judgment of God on a world that's fallen into sin. Now, it's not to say that every storm has a one-to-one -one equivalent with the sins of the community it hits. No, but, but every storm does represent that we live in a world that has been broken by sin, that we are sinners who, who are not in control, who need 
God and who have sinned against him. That, that, that's what storms represent. That's what the flood represented. And yet here we see the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. He's king of the flood. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus has borne this judgment in our place. The king of the flood has taken on the flood of God's wrath for us. The king of the storm has taken on the storm for us through his death on the cross for our sins. Jesus bore the judgment that our sins deserve. He went through the fiercest of storms. And then he rose again from the dead. Jesus did not stay in the grave, but he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is enthroned as king forever. You know what? Now we have a safe place from the storms. We have a shelter from the storm in Jesus. He is a much surer shelter than the temple of Israel. We can hide away in Jesus. We can be safe from the storm of God's judgment, the storm of God's wrath, the flood waters of judgment. We can be safe in Jesus. And then from that place, just take this a step further, from that place in Jesus where we know we are safe from the judgment we deserve, you know what we can do, just like the Israelites did in, their, in the safety of the temple, we can cry out glory. The glory of God is not a fearful thing to us anymore because we're in Jesus. Now we can, we can behold the glory of God and not fear for our lives, but just fear Him and worship Him and recognize His power and His majesty in the safety of Christ, in the safety of His sacrifice. So this morning, take refuge in Jesus. Rely on Jesus as the shelter from the storm of God's judgment for your sins. And for all who do rely on him, God promises strength and peace in every single storm you face. God will give you strength for today. Bright hope for tomorrow. In every storm, in every storm that comes, even as we fear, even as we, we lament what it might bring in our lives, at the same time we can cry out glory as we see the voice of the Lord in the storm, the Lord who came and saved us from our sins. And so this morning, church, let's reverence the king of the storm. Let's, let's ascribe to him the glory due his name. Let's recognize that whatever storm we face, he is in control of it. He is sovereign over it. He is enthroned as king over it. And let's rely on him. Let's rely on his sacrifice. Let's rely on his promise of strength and peace for every storm we face in this life, knowing that we will be delivered when that final storm comes because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this psalm. Lord, we don't understand all your purposes for storms in our lives, but we do know that you can be trusted. You give strength and peace to your people. And so, Lord, we confess and we repent of our fear of the storms. We, 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 we confess that we too often get so caught up in the storms of our lives that we do not take time to remember you, to reverence you, to worship you and to rely on you, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness of our sins. We thank you, Lord, that we do not need to fear a flood. We do not need to fear judgment for our sins, but that we have a safe place in Jesus Christ. And now we can behold your glory without fear. No man can see you and live, Lord, but in Christ, 
we will see you. We look forward to that day, Lord, when Christ returns in judgment and salvation. And we are confident that on that day, because of what he's done for us, we will be delivered through the storm into the calm and peace of the new heavens and new earth. Lord, give us strength and peace for every storm that we face between now and then. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.